Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? And then get ready to do my cheesy podcast intro. Okay. Do it, man. Own it. Own it. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, my friends, welcome back to the Quick Talk Podcast. I'm super excited that you're hanging out with me because you are changing the world and changing your communities and you're leading your team and you're creating wealth and you're building a legacy. And that's so exciting. And I'm excited. I always have a little extra energy when I have a special guest to interview. Uh, And today is no exception. I have Brian Bowman. He's uh, in Russell Brunson's inner circle with me and I've had the pleasure to meet him. He's really respected by a lot of these other people. And so I bugged him and begged him and said, listen, Yes, we're home service companies that listen to the show, but I, I just know that you got some massive nuggets that you can share. And Brian's the CEO and founder of Ecom Underground. You can Google it. Super awesome. He's from Chicago. He left a, a corporate job to kind of like pave his own way and build a really successful e-commerce company, you know, selling things on the internet. He's also a digital marketing consultant. He personally helps uh, other e-commerce sellers build really profitable, what he calls Amazon-proof companies, which I'm interested to let him explain what he means, you know, that really don't depend on Amazon for survival. Uh, And he's got clients all over the place. He works with little tiny companies. He works with nine-figure household brands. He's helped all these people leverage digital marketing to dominate their markets online. Brian, that was a mouthful. Welcome. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you because the other people I've interviewed in the inner circle, it's like, I don't want to get so weird with my podcast that I'm losing sight of the core group of people that are listening. But what's cool about e-commerce and why I'm excited to talk to you is it's really important for small businesses to diversify and have multiple streams of income. And I get a lot of emails from my listeners saying, you know, should I start a side hustle? Should I do something online? Because maybe have maybe starting a Shopify store or learning Amazon stuff is a really good idea. I personally think it is. I'm interested in it. I just want to keep lining up different little businesses that, that produce income. You seem like the guy to talk to about that. Um, go ahead and, and introduce yourself. Give us some backstory and we can get into some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we could definitely talk about that because, um, I mean, that really is the core of what I do is, is working with e-commerce sellers. Um, I can share my thoughts on it, especially it definitely is a different approach if you're doing it more of as like a side hustle, kind of dipping your your toe in the water and you just want to you just want to see what it's like. And then if you decide you want to go all in, I, I believe there's a very strategic way to do that without um you know, burning the ships and, and, you know, saying, all right, we have to, we have to make this, this brand take off. So I think there's a way to do it. I'll talk a little bit about that, um, later on, but yeah. So man, my story, it's, uh, it's not a very, (laughs) it's not a very glamorous story. Um, you know, I guess, I guess my entrepreneurial journey or my story, you know, I, I come from a real entrepreneurial family. Um, my, I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons I learned was just the hustle and not like the hustle in the way that everyone's saying hustle, you know, don't sleep and just work like crazy. The hustle in the iterative process of business. And I saw, I saw it firsthand since I was a kid, how everything in life is, is an iterative process. You think how we learn anything, right? We learn how to ride a bike. You start riding, you fall down. 
you start writing, you fall down. You're like, okay, when I leaned too far right, I fell to the right. All right, so let me lean a little left. You ride a little bit longer and then you fall down to the left. And, and it's it's this cycle of you do something, you try, you know, you try something, you learn from it, and you circle back around and you do it again. And I learned that early on because I had two parents that were super business minded. Um, and I got to see all the different businesses they started from storefronts. You know, my mom had a ceramic shop to a taxi cab company to a carpet cleaning business to, you know, every, I mean, they tried so many different businesses my whole life. Um, so I think that helped me a lot to, uh, to just take everything in stride, you know? Does oh, that yeah, make sense? dude. That, well, th you had like this massive leg up. Like that's a huge blessing. That's how I view my kids and probably your kids is uh, entrepreneurship is discussed all the time in real life examples. It's a constant conversation. And my real goal isn't to make a bajillion dollars and buy 16 jet skis. I want my kids when I'm dead or old and, and they're looking at what it was like being raised by me and my wife. I want them to see me take uh, semi-intelligent risks and fail and keep going and iterate exactly like you just described. Like, I don't want them to be scared to think big thoughts and to try stuff. And uh, people that don't have um, that family background like that, I think it's a lot harder. So it maybe did it give you a head start? Do you see that as yeah, giving you an advantage? I, I think in some way. I mean, I think that and the fact that I did have really – I did have a supportive um, family. You know, I was – I knew I – I knew I was going to run my own business. Like I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I, man, I had such a hard time in school. I was, I was a bright kid, but like, I just, man, I had such a hard time focusing and I, I kind of still do, you know, I think like most entrepreneurs. Um, and I was, I was, I knew I wanted to be a business owner kind of like before it was cool, kind of like you, right? Like now it's a cool <laughs> thing before it was like, Oh, you're the kid who won't get, you know, who's not going to be a doctor. And you're it's just gonna, true, man. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is like the new sexy thing. Like Russell was just talking about, you know, how entrepreneurs like Gary Vee got a shoe deal. Like he's like, it, I don't know if it was always like that, but it's like really cool to talk about hustle and grind. And yeah, all that stuff. exactly. That's so funny. Um, so yeah, so I mean, for me, you know, at 19, I started my first like legitimate company. Um, it was a desktop publishing business. It did horrible. I tried college like seven times. I ultimately <laughs> did end up going to college and finishing because I, I played professional golf for almost five years and I got, I got a real bad injury and I had to kind of decide what to do with my life next. And, um, I did go finish school. I worked a corporate job for a while and I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I've got to go back to doing my own thing. But, um, I had, yeah, I had a document management company after that, which did well. I just sold that company to go pursue a career in professional golf, played pro golf, um, got my degree, went back to school, you know, got a corporate job, all of that stuff, and then ended up going back into business. And that's, that's where the, the e-commerce side of things really kicked off for us. Um, because it's like, you just know it, man. It just, it's like a calling. So, well, can you just define e-commerce and like, just ex maybe explain at a high level, the opportunity, because if, if people are listening to this and they're already entrepreneurial, they kind of understand uh, the basic framework stuff, you know, serve a market, you know, create perceived value, you know, focus on the numbers, understanding the math. This is a totally different business, but the opportunity is like enormous. Uh, but that scares some people. Is it too late to even think about this stuff? Did we miss the boat? Like, no, man. No, not at all. I mean, in fact, I have a stat here because I'm actually in the process. Um, I'm actually writing a book on our process and our framework for building e-commerce businesses and how we've taken, you know, everything from nothing to, you know, 
eight and nine figure companies, we've helped them scale. And it, I, I one of the things I did is I pulled out some stats and global e-commerce sales are projected to reach $4.5 trillion by 2021. It is growing at a ridiculous scale and it's never, it's not too late at all. And even in the U S it's not too late, let alone emerging markets overseas that are just, you know, booming middle classes that have all this money, a disposable income now in countries that never had it. And they now have an ability to buy stuff. It's, it's a growing business and it's not going away anytime soon. Um, but e-commerce, you know, it's actually really interesting. E-commerce has now been associated with physical products. That's what it's been. So if you sell physical products and you say, I'm an e-commerce seller, like people kind of know, oh yeah, you sell physical products. But in general, e-commerce just means like electronic commerce. It just means selling stuff online. But it really, that term has been linked up with physical products in particular, uh, as opposed to like courses or information products. That's a really good point, actually, and it's it's hard to it's really hard for small local business owners, probably any business owner. Sometimes we feel like we're on an island, or the opportunity is small because we're focused on the next obstacle in front of us, or some challenge, some financial shortfall in our life at that moment. But the markets are gigantic; like they're humongous. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, even like Amazon, um, we all use it all the time, but we could even use it so much more. I don't know. I guess if someone wanted to break down like a three-step process to like doing a Shopify store or selling something like what do you even do it feels totally overwhelming if someone wants to have a side hustle or get their kids learning about this yeah where would you recommend that they they start like how do you even find a good product yeah so uh, this is awesome I'm so glad you asked how do you find a good product it is like that's the question everyone asks and where I'm going to have everyone who's listening. If you're listening to this and you're even thinking even remotely, um, man, I think I want to maybe try e-commerce. Everyone's talking about it. You know, Joan down the street is, is she's selling stuff on Amazon and is making money. Like, I think I want to try this. Or maybe you want your kids to try it. There's actually a much, much, much bigger question you have to ask before um, you figure out what product you're going to sell. That's going to make your life so much easier. And it's before you ask the what, you've got to ask. The who. Um, who are you going to serve? One of my favorite stories ever uh, from Gary Halbert. So, by the way, if you're listening, you don't know who Gary Halbert is, go and geek out on Gary. Just listen to everything Gary Halbert you can find. Go to his site. Go to the Gary Halbert letter. Like, just read um, just read everything you can on Gary Halbert. He's amazing. And um, one, he has a great story where he's asking a crowd. He says, all right, so assume we're going to go and build a restaurant down the street. So what do you think is the most important thing we need? And people start saying, you know, we need a great recipe. We need great marketing. We need a great location, 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 location. That's the most important thing. And, you know, great, you know, I'd say it's a hamburger stand, great hamburgers, great bread, great ingredients, great customer service, right? And all, all these people say all these things. And he's like, okay, these, those are all great ideas, but you can have all those. I just want a starving crowd. Mm. Almost like a blue ocean, red ocean type of thing in terms of the way you look at it. Like, is it more important to try to find the secret unserved niche or is it more important to just find a niche and stick to your guns on that one so, thing? So there's a few criteria and we can, we can get into the weeds a little bit. I'll actually share what the four like niche non-negotiables are for me. Um, but it's not so much it's unserved. It's that they're just hungry. They're hungry for more. They want more. And you can go into, and yeah, it is a little bit of that blue ocean idea um, of finding your sub niche, but you can go into a niche and even sell the exact same thing that other people are selling it. But if you position yourself differently, 
they will they will want it like they will want that thing so oh, let me my, give you an example yeah well i have one yeah. comment because i interviewed yeah. um jamie cross and she sells like 20 dollar bars of soap right and it's yep. and it's amazing and i'm talking to her and i'm thinking about like the industrial revolution how everything was about you know cloning and stamping out mass production of products <laughs> right but then yeah. but now like it's very clear things are have shifted down to these personal personality based brands or these little like people didn't probably wouldn't have bought 20 dollar soap in, in large part, like back in 1953, right? But people do now. So it just triggered that in my head when you said, if you find a, a hungry crowd that's already being served something, you can still serve them something. You just got to differentiate it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's plenty of, you know, yeah, exactly. So the point is, is if you can, um, if you can just do the research beforehand, you figure out who those starving people are, then figuring out what to sell them is super easy. It, they, they're, they're going to tell you what they want. They're going to scream out like we want this and you just serve it up to them. So um, and then the, it's interesting what you mentioned, though. It's a, such a great point. You know, never in 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 recent history have companies been able to really start chipping away at the big behemoth, the big, you know, the Procter and Gamble's, the Unilever's, right? Like, yes. these those Huge razor companies, those crazy razor companies with viral you know, videos. It's crazy. Exactly. Like Honest Company and Harry's and like all these all these boutique type brands. I mean, they're still huge brands. They've grown, but they started small and they just chipped at the corners of these huge companies. And these companies are they're noticing. You know what I mean? Don't think that Procter and Gamble isn't noticing what's happening. Um, and it's because people are they want that relationship. I we could go into this whole conversation because I believe more than ever. Um, while technology is like an amazing, powerful platform and it allows us to do this right here, right? Like mm -hmm. have this communication and broadcast it to hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Um, technology is also really separating us. So more than ever, people are craving connection. Mm. And it's if you can if you can do that, you can actually use the very thing that might be separating people is actually the thing that could also bring them together if you use it strategically. So, um, you so know, the good. fact that, yeah, it's if you can start, man, we could talk about this all day because do it I roll, start, just I, let it roll. Well, it's I, I geek to out roll on this now. stuff. I really geek out on this. Like what people are really, you know, all of us. So, uh, for example, I do jujitsu. Like I love, man, I love jujitsu so much. I can't even explain to you. Like I am, I am a, and I'll talk about this with my four criteria here. And I'm irrationally passionate about jujitsu. Like it's insane. Okay, and yes, I love it for a good workout. Um, it's amazing and. It's, it's it's great, you know. I learn technique and I can defend myself and all that. But for me, it's a way to go connect with people. Like as an online entrepreneur, I'm like behind a screen, and even as a business owner, like business owning a business is like super lonely. So if you own a business, you probably understand this. For me, it's about connecting, and everyone there is there to connect with other people, and it's something that like we're all missing, like having a sense of importance, a sense of recognition, and a sense of like community. So. That's one of the things that you're looking for is opportunities to create those communities. And that's why small brands can start chipping away at these huge companies because people want to know that the brands care. Like that's just more than ever, I think. Yeah. Well, I have uh, some other friends that have some software companies that do like reputation management or reviews. And they, they, they use this buzzword that I think is really cool called like a, a reputation economy. Like I guess what I'm saying is people go online and they're all chatting about brands. Like they hold you accountable instantaneously and just everything yeah. about everything is different now. And people are talking and sharing good and bad. And if, if you got something that's funny or that, that hooks people it, that totally serves the irrationally passionate jujitsu person and you put the right message and the price doesn't matter as much. It's, it's about 
the trust and about the the relationship, like like you're talking about. I mean, we're yeah. all irrational about certain things. I think something, right? Like we're all irrational about something. And um, so if so, let's talk about like some criteria for for picking a niche. So the first um, and I would say uh, is probably the most important, but you kind of need all of these. And the first is you want that irrationally passionate crowd, right? That's like the people who are just nuts. Like I just love jujitsu, or I love running. I love you know. I love being a mom that does yoga, like whatever it is, you got to find something where people are super, super passionate about it. And, um, the more you niche down, the bigger the passion is. So it's like somebody who is really athletic. Yeah, that's, that's great. But somebody who does jujitsu is like way more passionate about that than than about being athletic. You know what I mean? Yep, completely. Yeah, because if you're if you're in the middle, if they're sort of like lukewarm, then it's just white noise and you're screwed before you start. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you got to find that. And then you also obviously you want to make sure that there's enough of these people, too, because you can find you can find like a small subset of them. But um, there's got to be enough where you can actually create a business. And so you have to make sure that you've got enough people. And there's a lot of tools online you can you can search out. Um, some of my favorite things, I like to look at search volume online to see how many people are actually looking for this this product or this interest, uh, like, you know, I don't want to geek out on like technology, but there's plenty of tools online, Google Keyword Planner. You can look at Google Trends, um, Audience Insights on Facebook. There's a lot of different tools to see the search volume, like how many people are actively engaged in this thing. Um, awesome. No, that's you good. Don't need, Feel free yeah. to go straight nerd mode. I think I think it's <laughs> yeah, totally there's, fine. There's I got other, my nerd hat on. Yeah, there's the other side, right? Um, and then you, I want to make sure that they're willing and able to spend money. I think that's one of the things that I've overlooked in the past. I've gone in and, and like gotten really excited about a product idea, and I've tried to figure out, okay, so who are these people I'm going to sell this product to? And that's one of the biggest mistakes. It's like oh, you could start good. with you. Could, you could start with some product ideas, but really try to find the people who are going to buy it first because um, – Well, because you, you not, can have tons of people that are irrationally passionate about something that have no money. They're broke. They maybe they're money. kids or whatever, right? Yeah. They just they – just, they aren't able to actually spend it and some of them may have the money. They're just not willing to. So it's important that they're willing and able to actually spend because um, at the end of the day, that's, that's what a business is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. That's gold. Okay. So we got irrationally passionate people. Then they're willing and able to spend. Is that like step two? Uh, what comes yeah. after that? Yeah, and that's it. And just making sure there's enough. Like analyze your, you know, like do do some research. Make sure there's actually some 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 volume, you know, out there that they're actually looking for it. Um, and that's and that's it. And then you know, I mean, that right there. If if they're crazy passionate about something, and you know, there's enough of them, and they're willing and able to spend, like you know, you've got you've got something that's worth considering. And you, you're going to have a whole bunch of these different niches that you could potentially serve. Um, and again, this is for like starting a side hustle. I mean, if you, if you decided you want to start like a huge, you know, beauty brand or something, that's a little bit different. Um, but I think as a side hustle, this is great because what it allows you to do is it allows you to start selling products to them without actually having to carry inventory. So one of the things that a lot of people will do when they're starting out in physical products is they'll try, um, there's two models that are probably pretty popular, which one is drop shipping, but the other one is print on demand. And I really like print on demand. It's still, it's an easy way to make some cash and to start experimenting with this whole selling online, selling products online. Mm, I love it. And then you just push a button on the internet and you make a million dollars, right? It's that simple. That's it. It's, easy it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I have a course. It's uh, no, <laughs> no well, I actually don't. That's but. a good segue. <laughs> 
tell us a little bit of maybe about some of the pain you've experienced because you didn't do this in two seconds. You don't consult for nine figure companies about this stuff. And I know you're like totally downshifting the basics for, for us, which I'm thankful for. But in the very beginning, were you an immediate success with this? Was it hard? Did you panic and have an anxiety attack? Did you lose money? Did you did did anything happen? What 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 was it like in the so beginning for you? I took I took a little bit different journey into e-commerce. So we started private labeling the first thing we did. So private label is just when you find a factory and typically it's in China. But there's a lot of great actually private. There's a lot of great factories that are affordable here in the U.S. Um, if you want to go U.S. route, and there's certain products you absolutely absolutely want to get made in the U.S. like consumer like stuff ingestible stuff. But um, what we did was it's a popular model. It's called private labeling, where you find a manufacturer in. China that's already making um, towels or already making, you know, we, we did a lot of textile stuff like towels and, um, uh, you know, socks and shirts and things like that, but um, which was probably one of the big mistakes that I can talk about. But you want to find somebody who's already producing these things. They're not comp they're not complex things. Uh, they're not they're no electronic parts. You want to pick something that kind of can't break really simple. And this is what we did. You when we first really went into into uh, e-commerce, we private labeled it, and basically you can have your your logo stamped on something, like printed, and now it's yours. So they create it with no logo on it, and you can use. There's a site that probably. Actually, maybe your listeners haven't heard of it. It's called Alibaba. You can go on there. You can see all the different stuff that people make. Um, there's all these different all these different manufacturers of products, everything from like Bluetooth mouses to notebooks to towels to hats to everything you can imagine. Yeah, I love Alibaba. You can just eat popcorn and click on stuff and see all this crazy <laughs> weird exactly. stuff. And sometimes I'll see products on there that I've seen on Amazon, you know, and there's multiple oh, people selling everything. One Everything product. on Amazon is from Alibaba. That's right. that's the that's the dirty little secret. So I almost um, bought like twenty mini bikes on Alibaba because you can just get this wholesale thing, and I was just gonna have my kids sell them like out to the road or something. <laughs> There's yeah, so yeah, much opportunity. Funny. Anyway, sorry. That's funny. Going. So so that's what we did. Um, I mean, the first lesson I learned was we actually we lost like five k right out of the gate, <laughs> and we had about we had about six grand to invest, so that wasn't good. Luckily, it didn't what completely happened? bankrupt us. Um. We just didn't really for it was it was a unique situation. I, I don't think it happens that often. We didn't do our due diligence and really understand the like bank wiring thing and how you really have to understand who you're sending the money to. We just were like, all right, sweet, you're gonna you're gonna produce this stuff for us and three weeks later, you know, you don't hear back from anyone and oh, no. <laughs> you, you've already you've already wired the money. You just so bought five late. jet skis for some <laughs> yeah, for scammer <laughs> in China. <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say I, I yeah, exactly. For for him. For, so when you scammer. when you private label it though, then do you have to do they drop ship it from there or do you warehouse it here? I mean Yeah, so that's two different models. So private labeling, they're gonna create it for you. They're gonna stamp your logo on it and they're gonna ship it over to you. Um, and then you're going to, you know, we, we sold on Amazon at first. Um, and then that's a whole nother story because you, Amazon is a great way to start, but it's definitely not a long-term business plan uh, because you don't have customers. They, they keep all the customer data. So Do you it's, not get any of the data at all. Nothing. That's why, that's oh. why. That's why we talk about building an Amazon-proof business that, that you actually have a mailing well, list. I, I don't know. I don't know if you knew this, but I I built a, a window and pressure cleaning company up for about ten years. I sold it and moved to Costa Rica for a while. And two yeah. of the people that I first met when I got there that went to the church we were going to were Amazon people. The first actual in real life friends I ever made that did what you do, and they were selling ten million dollars a year on. Uh, 
on Amazon selling like those little speedo glasses you wear when you're swimming like Michael Phelps uh-huh. wears. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. You're selling $10 million? And they had a lot of SKUs and a lot of products. But the whole thing was fascinating. But they were so stressed out because their margins were really low. And I was talking to them. And I do remember talking to them well, like, you know, what's how big's your customer list and all that. And they were kind of weird about it. And I didn't realize that you got nothing. But if that's the case, that's horrific. I, how do you even make that work? I've I I've had I've had clients that were doing three hundred million dollars a year get shut down overnight, carrying millions of dollars in inventory. What? No way to move it because <laughs> they have no list. Oh my gosh! And like on the fly, all right, they got to figure out how how internet mark like how marketing works. Well, <laughs> now, they now start everybody's clicking off the podcast and they're terrified and they just want to go sell more carpet cleaning. But uh, no. <laughs> But no, no man, you'll tell us how to Amazon proof it. What, what do exactly. we do? Exactly. So, so this is what it, these are all lessons learned. You talked about lessons learned. I mean, we had we had one product that was doing like solid six figures a month get shut down overnight, like instantly. Like, and why would that happen? Black hat competitors, man. It's I mean, it, there are legitimate reasons stuff gets shut down. People violate terms of service. Amazon has very strict terms of service, so you got to make sure you follow the rules. Mm-hmm. But. Black hat competitors, they know, they know how to game the system and they know how to get their big competition shut down. And we were good at what we did. We were good at ranking our products. Um, so yeah, that's how it works, but it's okay. Cause right. These are, these are lessons learned. These are the things that, um, that have helped me be able to, to help these sellers on Amazon. And one of the things is Amazon is amazing. It's the 800 pound gorilla and you have to be a part of it. Um, if you don't sell your products there, someone else will. That's the bottom line. So if you are thinking like, I want to start selling Amazon, absolutely do it. You like, you don't have to pay for traffic. The traffic will just show up and buy your stuff. If you can get it, get it seen, um, which you can do with ads and stuff. There's, we won't get into that, but the bottom line is you can take that revenue and that, that profit and roll it into building your off Amazon presence, which is what all my clients do. Um, so that's why they can. Well, that's a- what that's what Trevor Chapman does or did, right? He just sold the, that. <laughs> what was the bag and the the air in the bag product he had that went viral? Yeah, yeah. We, he used, sold- we used to we used to sell the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but like it was an enormous business, but that didn't live on yeah. Amazon. He had like his own site for that, right? Exactly, exactly, and that helps valuation too. If you got a, if you have a business where you have a customer list, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is, if you think you want to start. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you decide you want to start on Shopify. I I think if you're going to do a side hustle, you can definitely start selling stuff on FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon, and you could start there and you can very easily private label products. I mean, there are plenty of courses. There's tons of videos on YouTube. You could, you could learn the whole thing through podcasts. You really can. Um, and you can start selling there or you can start your own print on demand or drop shipping business on Shopify. Drop shipping is actually where you go on a site like AliExpress and they'll ship the products over. Now there's a few things that are, I'm not crazy about drop shipping. Like there's really long shipping times. Um, it's not really a sustainable business model, but it's a way to learn how e-commerce works without having to invest in inventory. Mm. So all that being said though, if I was going to pick one thing, like if my niece came up to me, she's like, I want to start a business online selling physical products. I would have her identify a hungry crowd, find that niche and start selling print on demand items. It is, you're going to have really quick fulfillment times. If you use a good, um, 
a supplier like Printful or uh, T-Launch, they can they can print designs on anything from mugs to aprons to towels to swimsuits to everything you can imagine. And you can start selling products that you don't have to carry inventory for. And you're basically like the middleman. You charge 20, they charge you 10 to print it, you keep the difference. Hmm. <laughs> and it's a great way to like, it's a great way to get your foot in, understand how the business works, understand the passions and the desires of a niche, understand what they want, you know, give them some cool stuff that they like, sell, you know, it, you don't have to carry inventory, you only pay for it when it when when they pay when they buy it. I think it's a great way to get started. I love it. I think a lot of people listening could in the next few months have something up that maybe it doesn't make you 10 billion trillion dollars, but what if it made $1000 a month for you in profit uh, extra or 2 or 3000? Like that's completely that's... That's totally reasonable. Right. Like, it's like a totally reasonable, like an extra 2K a month is totally reasonable. Yeah. It's 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 like the it's like the gold rush on the internet. It's crazy. It, it really is. It overwhelms me sometimes because the, the amount of opportunity is much larger than my personal bandwidth <laughs> can handle. <laughs> yeah. And so you got to pick and choose and stuff. Well, and I'm certainly not trying to distract people, but the whole thing is just fascinating. And I know you, you have a podcast that talks about this at a super nerdy level all the time, right? Can you share that in case people want to nerd out with you in your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. If you really want to dive into like really understanding the marketing side of e-commerce and how to start and all that stuff, um, you can check out marketing for e-commerce with me, with Brian Bowman. And, um, we also have, uh, we have a Facebook group called marketing for e-commerce and go check that out, but go check out the podcast. If you want to link to it, uh, if you go to ecom underground with one M ecom underground.com, you go straight there on the top, uh, on the navigation, you'll see podcasts. You can click on there and, and go through that. There's, um, all the episodes are there. So it's, it's what I would say, and I just want to address this because it's so important is, um, you know, my favorite Warren Buffett quote is the difference between successful people and very successful people is very successful people say no to almost everything. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to build something big, you got to go deep. Um, and you do have to understand like what you're going to say no to. So you can relentlessly say yes to the few things that are actually going to move the needle. Um, and if, you know, you, you know this from inner circle, I mean, the people who are really crushing it, who are really, really making big things happen, they've just, they've doubled down on something and like, that's what they do. Yeah. And that can then fund a whole bunch of different ideas and, and stuff. So it's, it, but it just depends, you know, everyone has their own, their own approach, but, um, that's it's balancing, yeah, it's really, it's really about balancing the opportunity with the <laughs> the effort put in, you know, and you got to make sure you don't try to try to do a whole bunch of things. Cause I don't know. I think, I think you end up diversifying so much that nothing moves. <laughs> That's a good point. And so with that being said, I want to encourage all of you stage one, stage two businesses, even stage three, like be really careful about this. And that's a proprietary language we use on the show for, <laughs> for our tribe. But <laughs> like the smaller guys, the owner operators, you, you're doing less than a half a million in revenue or whatever, um, you got to go deep. You got to go deep. The riches is go in going very, very deep. You know, a mile, a mile wide and inch deep is bad and an inch wide and a mile deep is good. And Brian, I appreciate your time. Uh, this is an out of the ordinary kind of show probably for you to do. And I know you're really, really busy and I'm really, really grateful. No, this was great, man. And, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, 
your listeners got got some some value and some action items and uh and i think i think the stuff we talked about applies really to any business you know we we i i package it up right in e-commerce and other someone else packages it up in i don't know in fitness or something but at the end of the day business is business F- figure out what it is that people really want and Give it to them. <laughs> they'll, be, right. they'll be happy. Go figure. The fundamentals are always the same. I always say the architecture, uh, the guts, the, the skeleton of most businesses are the same. You have customers. You have you have fulfillment. You have you know the deliverable. You have marketing. You have all these different things. They're the same. It's just the deliverable is different. Like the, the towel that you're selling is different than carpet cleaning that someone else is selling. But there's super huge overlaps. And the principles of success – are completely across the board. You know, focusing, changing your belief patterns, getting around the right people, going deep on your education, which uh, I just love talking to people like you because that's what you've done and you're doing it. And you're doing big, crazy things that people think are impossible. It just turns out it's not impossible because Brian Bowman's doing it right now. So be encouraged, everybody. <laughs> I appreciate all of you guys hanging out. And uh, that's it. Check out uh, ecomunderground.com. Check out Marketing for E-Commerce podcast and the Marketing for E-Commerce Facebook group. If you have interest in that, a lot of my listeners do have interest in that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you grow your community a little bit, Brian. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.